Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circa Sports Iowa app today. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. Hope everybody is having a, a great 4th of July week, first week of, uh, of the month here so far. Um, a little bit of a different kind of podcast this week. Uh, I had on Brett Ciancia from Pick 6 Previews, which is a a lot of people probably know him for his account on Twitter. Uh, and hopefully you've seen his 2020 season preview book that he released uh, last month. Uh, since the launch of, of Pick 6 Previews in 2012, uh, their BCS and Power 5 predictions have been rated as the most accurate in the nation by Stassen.com, who's been tracking prediction accuracy for decades. And then after the release of Brett's 2019 season preview book. He was selected to become a Heisman Trophy voter and was invited onto 100 plus radio TV podcast spots, including now this one for the first time talking about Iowa State. He's a member of the Football Writers Association of America and also a voter on several national awards such as the Bolitnikoff, Outland and Nagurski. We just took a couple minutes uh, or about 20 minutes or so talking about Iowa State, talking about the Big 12, his um, predictions for the the college football playoff. Um, and I highly suggest everyone check out his book. You can find it at pick6previews.com. Um, there's some sample pages and stuff like that. So you can get an idea for what the format is. And I'm telling you, it's different than any other that you're going to find. Uh, he's got some different statistics and stuff that you don't really see in the, whether it's the Phil Steels or the Athlons or, or, or whatever. Um, not that those, you know, publications are any, are, are not good. Obviously our publisher, Chris Williams writes for Athlon. Uh, and I, I, every year go through the Athlon magazine and write a blog and do stuff with it on podcasts. But I think that Brett's um, is really, really good. And, uh, and I highly suggest it. And you've give, if you go right now on pick six preview.com and you want to buy the book, you can use promo code cyclones at checkout and get a discount code uh, for anybody who listens to this podcast. And like I said, I, I really highly suggest it. Uh, cy- promo code cyclones at checkout. Um, if you want to go to pick six previews.com. One last thing before um, we start the podcast this week. Cyclone Fanatic super patron shout out goes to Adam Wright. Adam graduated from Iowa State in 2010 with a degree in chemical engineering. Uh, he's a proud Iowa State Cyclone football varsity marching band alum, as is his mom. He married a Nebraska grad who is in the process of converting and now works in the nuclear power industry in New Mexico. And shout out to New Mexico. It's a state that I can tell you we. I don't know that I know anybody from New Mexico, but now we know Adam. Uh, he said he's lurked on CF since about 2006, right around when Dan McCarney was let go. So he felt like he owed something to us for the decade and a half of content he's consumed. Thanks again for your support, Adam. As a reminder, if you're interested in becoming a premium subscriber, check out the incentives, including shout outs and inside information at CycloneFanatic.com. Without further ado, from Pick 6 Previews, this is my interview with Brett Ciancia. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So this is kind of crazy, man. I I started following you probably, man, it's probably been four, five, six years ago, honestly. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it's been it's been cool to watch your career kind of take off. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, so it started out um. 2012, kind of a, you know, we did some weekly picks, some uh, actually some Twitter troll stuff too, but uh, definitely evolved um, and it's gotten way more professional. And I actually took it on solo. It used to be a couple guys doing it, but uh, it's just me now, one man show. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's taken off. It's been incredible though. I mean, it, it, like I said, it's a, it's been a Twitter movement since day one. Everyone helping out and spreading it. So uh, it's just college football fans for you. Very passionate. So thanks for following along over the years. Definitely. Um, so I'll just kind of, I'll just kind of jump into it here. Uh, the, I, I think the thing that's most interesting to me about what you guys do, is, that's kind of different than what a lot of, other, a lot of other people really do is, um, is your game grader. And, uh, you have Iowa state at 18th coming out of last year in the game grader. Uh, first thing can you, or coming out yeah from 2019, first thing, can you just kind of explain what the game grader formula is and then, uh, you know, what maybe makes Iowa State have have had some success in that area? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, what made me want to develop this this formula here is, you know, not all seven win seasons are created equal. You see a team's record, seven and six. You don't really know what happened that season. Uh, it doesn't, you know, just the record itself doesn't tell you the caliber of teams they were playing, if the games were close, if they were blowouts, that kind of thing. So, you know, what, what this does, it, it looks at scoring differential, yardage differential, uh, a lot of in-game metrics like per-play averages, uh, explosive plays, turnovers, the whole bit, everything you can think of, all into one score. And at the very end, it um, it scales it for the opponent's strength. So, you know, playing Oklahoma close grades pretty well compared to playing Kansas close, for example. So, uh, and I wrote this in the book too. Iowa State is kind of the perfect case study for my game grader last year because, yeah, they went seven and six overall, but they lost to four ranked teams by a score or less. Uh, and even on average, they outgained their opponents in the final five losses. So, um, you know, they, and when you really dig into it, they were seven points away from being 10 and two, 14 points away from an 11 and one record. So, long story short, this team was a lot better than their record. I think all Cyclone fans would, would agree with that statement. And that's reflected in the game grader formula where despite a seven and six record, they're actually 18th in the country, uh, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't really heal the wounds of some of those tough losses, but, you know, analytically and looking forward to 2020 as a predictive measure, that was a really strong team last year. So um, I think that'll, that'll come through in the 2020 preview. See, I think the thing that was probably kind of disappointing to Iowa State fans just in general is, I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything that you said right there. I mean, I thought that they were uh, better than what their final record really showed. And then really when they got there, I mean, they'd had opportunities kind of on bigger stages to uh, to prove themselves. But, I mean, the one that everybody's going to remember is that game against Notre Dame in the, uh, uh, in the Camping World Bowl where they, I mean, frankly, they got their butts kicked from beginning to end. 
and it didn't feel like a very true representation of what that team was. Uh, and I feel like since then, maybe people, it's almost like people have, uh, like, uh, I don't even know the right way to put it. They've discounted Iowa State now just because of the fact that Iowa State played so poorly the last time that they saw them. Does, does that kind of make sense? Like, have you kind of sensed that too? Yeah, definitely. And not to call other analysts lazy, but I think a lot of them look at that record, that seven and six record, and kind of think, ah, yeah, Matt Campbell, he, he was a fraud. But really, I'm the complete opposite because not only do I have the analytics, I think those are important. But at the end of the day, you don't want to just read about how Iowa State's, you know, 0.12 in a certain formula, right? So uh, I do a ton of film study. I talk to coaches and coordinators across the country. Um, and so, yeah, the analytics show it. But anecdotally, when you look at some of these crazy losses, I mean, you're talking about the, the Iowa game. Uh, you have a game-winning drive stalled, a muff punt, like just fluky stuff like that, um, allowing three third-down conversions to Baylor on their final drive. I mean, you had Baylor really, uh, you know, for the taking. Um, three ticks in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma State, something very, very uncharacteristic for Brock Purdy. Uh, and then, of course, the two-point conversion fail against Oklahoma. I mean, right there, and it's not even just a stretch to say that could have been four wins. Uh, conversely, when you look at Baylor themselves, a lot of really close wins, a lot of one-score wins. Every single call and bounce went their way, and that's not to discount them. Uh, they were a strong team. But really, to me, Iowa State and Baylor were almost identical uh, You know, talent profiles, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, it's a game of inches and Iowa State was an inch short and Baylor got that inch. And that's the difference of five wins in the win column, which is crazy. Yeah. And there, you have a chart in your um, in the book where it's, it's offense and defense versus opponent average and then where the team is, you know, in the percentile of college football. And, there's, and then there's a 10-year rolling average. It's crazy to look at the um, – the drasticness in the change for Iowa State football, especially on the defensive end, because it went from one end of the spectrum to the other in literally one season. Um, I mean, just and then offensively this last year, there was a pretty major jump as well. And it, it's hard to even really compute that until you look at the, the numbers. And all of a sudden you see like, oh, they went from 53rd percentile last year in offense to, or in, in 2018 in offense to all of a sudden they're 83rd in uh, and, and in 2019, and then where they went from the 29th percentile in 2016 uh, to the 77th percentile in 2017. So, like people that are close to it, like us, we can obviously see, uh, or, or like you know me, I'm, I'm with the team on a, a daily basis, or close to a daily basis, or fans that watch, you know, every second of every game live. I mean, it's obvious how much of a difference that it has made. But when you really look at the numbers, you can see it, uh, see it too, even from an analytical perspective. Yeah, definitely. Um... You know, over the last year, I've done probably 100 radio shows and podcasts, but this is finally my first Iowa State one. I'm really excited because finally I get to talk about this, where this, this is a fascinating program to me, and it's, it's a passionate fan base that isn't really recognized nationally. But, I mean, you guys care out there, and, and now the numbers are showing it because, yeah, so back when I launched Pick 6 Previews, it was a, kind of a running joke where you just put Kansas 10th in the Big 12, dead last, and then you put Iowa State second to last. That was just right away, you know, pen that in, and you're done. But, you know, uh, Matt Campbell's really shifted the whole program, the whole face of the program, um, but it actually starts defensively. And I wrote this in the book where John Haycock might be the most underrated coordinator in America, uh, because you're talking about a conference, the big 12, which is known for creativity on offense. It's kind of a sandbox for innovations offensively. He's done that on defense. You know, he started experimenting with uh, all these five DB packages, six DB packages, um, you know, um, and you see that visually on this on this graphic that Jared's talking about, but really on the field. I mean, 
the defense has really kept Iowa State in a lot of close games over the years and being able to grind out some big wins. So um, just a transformation. And now last year, finally, the offense caught up the, the defense's pace where, um, you know, this was a, a top 10 most improved offense last year, especially passing, uh, where they finished into the top 20. And I know that a top 20 passing rank in the Big 12 might not, you know, might not really pop off the page because it seems like everyone has that. But when you look at Iowa State's program context, before Matt Campbell and 10 years before that, they averaged number 85 on, on passing offense. So uh, not even near the top 50. Now when he stacked out with a top 20 attack last year, Brock Purdy, uh, and he's coming back. You got that whole tight end group coming back and uh, now a proven running back. This offense can even take another step. See, man, you bring up those tight ends, and I, I had a bone to pick with you because you left Charlie Kohler off your All-American team, man. And I, I've, I've been on this uh, on this this crusade for the last, I don't know, whatever it's been since the season ended, man, no, nobody's given Charlie Kohler the respect he deserves. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a tough category. And with any consolation to, to Cyclones fans, uh, Kolar, not only just one, but two Iowa state tight ends are number one and two in the big 12 in my all big 12 team. So, you know, that's got to release in a few days. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Charlie Kolar, uh, Chase Allen, and then even Dylan Stainer got some all big 12 honorable mention last year, talking about three tight ends getting mentions is incredible. Um, and this from a program with Matt Campbell, when he took over uh, just based on the offenses before that they had, I don't think there was a single tight end on scholarship. So in three or four short seasons to see the turnaround, at least, you know, overall program, but even just one specific unit like this is incredible. So yeah, no knock on Kolar nationally. If anything, it was a compliment to their whole room because I think that, having all three talented guys, they kind of might steal some spotlight from each other, steal some receptions, that kind of thing. So best tight end group in the country. They'll say that. Yeah, man. Okay. You redeemed yourself then. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, cu- I'll cut you some slack, but no, I mean, I do think that obviously those guys are a big part of the reason that even when, you know, you lose Alan Lazard one year, you lose uh, Hakeem Butler the next year, and then now you're going to be losing, you know, Deshante Jones, who's one of the most productive receivers in school history. Uh, you're losing, um, the Michael Petway, who had a really good year um, in his one season at, at Iowa State. But I think when you look at those tight ends, along with uh, Tariq Milton, who had a really good sophomore season, um, and then some guys like a, a Sean Shaw who kind of came on, um, it seemed like all he did was catch touchdowns for most of the year. Um, and then even a guy like Joe Skates, and then they've got a couple junior or a junior college kid and Xavier Hutchinson that I feel really that they, they feel really good about. I know um, that I mean. Yeah, like it, I'm sure to an outsider when they think like it's like, man, could their passing attack be better? Like I legitimately think that yes, their their offense and their passing attack could be even better, especially when you give Brock another year of development. Yeah, absolutely, and really the difference here, uh, this is uncharted territory for Iowa State, where normally when you lose a, a key receiver like that, you know the offense would take a year off to recover. But uh, what's happening is in the recruiting game, Matt Campbell's pulled off. Uh, I think it's the two highest classes in the modern recruiting era mm-hmm. for Iowa State. Uh, you're starting to see that rise in talent level pay off. And, um, you know, so some some freshmen, some sophomores, even some juniors there that are becoming new starters. It's a luxury that Iowa State hasn't had, which is now quality depth. It's turning into more of a reload program than the quote-unquote rebuild. So, yeah, you've proven it year after year receiver being able to replace a feature guy. But now look at the offensive line where uh, three three starting spots are up for grabs. But I feel better about it this year uh, than, say, five years ago, Iowa State, because of this recruiting level. Uh, their player development's been pretty strong. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, 
it's on all fronts. It's the coaching teams we touched on, um, uh, the personnel themselves, but then also the recruiting, which is just going to keep that pipeline flowing with uh, with talented Big 12 players. So, um, yeah, this this is a program on the on the upward trajectory. It's also encouraging too, not to get sidetracked, but that and Matt Campbell is kind of bought into the longer term because uh, you know after that uh, some of the 2017 and 2018 wins. Uh, I think a lot of those power five programs would have tried to poach him and, you know, maybe offer more money too. So the fact that he's bought in and doubled down on Iowa state should be pretty encouraging for cyclone fans. Yeah. He's a pretty, he's a pretty special guy, man. He, uh, he, we definitely appreciate him a lot around here. I can tell you that he's made my job a lot more fun. Um, the last two numbers I wanted to ask you about real quick then, uh, and then I just want to get your thoughts on some overarching Big 12 and just college football in general stuff. Uh, the the player development um, to recruiting rankings, and then your win conversion to recruiting rankings. How how do you um, how are those kind of figured, and what what exactly do those numbers mean? Iowa State's 40th in the player development, and then they're 18th in the win conversion. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It's kind of a unique feature my my book does compared to some of the other magazines. Is um you know, and you see this on Twitter too, where a lot of people focus only on recruiting. And yeah, is recruiting important? Yes, it's, it's probably it's a backbone of the program, but um, you know it, it just starts there. And people complain about recruiting where can the services miss on a certain guy? Yeah, it happens all the time. They whiff and give a guy a five star when he's not, and, and vice versa. But when you start to look at twenty prospects in a class, and then start to look at four or five classes in a row, talking eighty-five scholarship players in aggregate, I think they're more right than wrong. So with that as a starting point. You got to be able to develop those players. You got to be able to recruit within your scheme, uh, and then you have to have the X's and O's and the you know, kind of the culture to to make it work. And some of those last words I just used, you hear those a lot. Those are kind of buzzwords to me. I wanted to put an actual number on it, you know, to be able to see who really does have the best schemes, who who can who, who develops their players better than others. So it might seem basic, but what it is is just uh, your rolling average of recruiting rankings. So the raw talent you're signing in February on signing day compared to then your NFL output and compared to your wins on the field and your performance on the field. Again, sounds basic, but no one really talks about it where it's kind of the same programs you'd expect. So think of the Wisconsin's and although it pains me to say on this podcast, but Iowa, right? These are programs that don't recruit very well, but are able to grind out and develop uh, and produce NFLers every year, just right up there with the big boys. So bring it back to Iowa state. And that win conversion metric, they're 18th. So what that means is um, they're almost one of the best in the country at doing more with less. And I say the less in quotes. Uh, that's just compared to the, what the recruiting services had over the five years prior. Um, so you know, somewhere down in that 50th or 40th range recruiting ranking-wise, they're producing some winning seasons, eight win seasons, seven win seasons. So top 20 win conversion. Player development a little bit lower. Um you know, I think it is Iowa State there that has a 50-year streak without a first-rounder. But, yeah. um, hey, you have some prospects that could snap that in a few years. So, But what this, what this one looks at is, the again, the recruiting ranks versus your NFL draft output. So I think you'll start to see that improve as these higher recruiting classes go through the program and, um, you know, start to light it up on, on April's NFL draft. Yeah, we got to get that streak over with because, believe me, the those folks in Iowa City definitely hold that over everybody's head. Uh, oh, I see it every day. Every on, opportunity. I see it yeah. all the time on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, all right, so some mo- just overarching Big 12 stuff. You picked uh, Oklahoma to uh, win the league and probably the least surprising decision of, of all time. Uh, do you? What do you see with for the Sooners even um, – 
when they're going to have to to replace uh, Jalen Hurts and CeeDee Lamb? And uh, is this just another reload opportunity for Lincoln Riley and his crew, you think? Yeah, I mean, every year I try and, uh, in my head, try and doubt Oklahoma and think, oh, they're replacing quarterback. they got to take a step back. But here's kind of a crazy stat for you. So uh, this decade, I graded every single offense and looked at them. Uh, there's only three in the entire decade out of 1,200, three out of 1,200 offenses that averaged eight-plus yards per play. It's 2017 Oklahoma, it's 2018 Oklahoma, and 2019 Oklahoma. I mean, this is a freaking machine offensively. Um, yeah, so this is the first time it's going to have to be a true freshman or uh, – no, not true freshman, but a high school recruit of Riley's compared to an experienced power five starter quarterback. Um, so, yeah, there might be some growing pains at quarterback, but um forget he was a five-star number one overall quarterback. Plus, the real differentiator for me is that offensive line. Uh, their coach, Beaton Bow, is incredible at replacing and developing their offensive line. I think four starters back from a, a Joe Moore Award finalist for the best offensive line. So even if the quarterback comes out a little shaky, they're going to be able to just power run ball, power the ball down the field in the run game um, behind that big line. So, and then you have a second-year coordinator with Alex Grinch with a lot of returning production, a lot of returning starters back. And don't let that LSU semifinal fool you. I mean, it was still an improving Oklahoma defense uh, within their program context. So if that takes another step forward, you might have more of a complete team. All right, so then you've got Oklahoma State at number two and Texas at number three. And if I'm, uh, I mean, I mean, I think that this is probably, you and I are probably on similar thinking. I think this is kind of a consensus idea, but there's Oklahoma and then there's a little bit of a gap between those next two. Um, what do you see being kind of the, the different differentiator between Oklahoma State and, Tex and Texas to, in your ranking there? Yeah, I think you're right that Oklahoma is probably the clear cut clear-cut favorite they have the track record they have the personnel and everything um i think though that it's a very uh you know there's there's five or six teams that could be top 25 top 30 caliber it's going to be a tough gauntlet of, of, uh, of games here especially being around robin so with oklahoma state i look at that trio of stars at, uh, on offense and uh, when mike gundy has that they tend to have some of the better teams so i'm talking about spencer sanders the, the dual threat high ceiling quarterback Tylen wallace blitnikoff contender and Shuba Hubbard, a 2,000-yard back. Uh, those three guys, they're all healthy. I mean, that could be lethal on offense. But really what made me have them second in the conference, not just their offense, and finally they have somewhat of a defense. Um, you know, very veteran group. Uh, the third year under Jim Knowles, who's had success everywhere, including Duke. Yeah, not the best talent profile over there. Uh, the key being that the second half of the year, Oklahoma State held all, all five of their opponents below their scoring averages, really took a step def uh, defensively to close the season and uh, all that talent's back and looks like a pretty complete team. So I have them second. Um, and then Texas, this is the problem every year with Texas is, you know, you see their recruiting rankings, you see their personnel and you always think, I mean, Hey, they should be the best team in the conference, but for whatever reason, um, and again, those buzzwords, that culture, that scheme, whatever you want to say, they're dead last in my player development metric, it's not converting. Right. So something's happening. Uh, they're switching both coordinators again. Uh, in a in an off season without spring ball, so a lot of a lot of question marks there. Uh, the two certainties why I have them top three still um, is, you know, the two weaknesses they used to have the whole decade was at quarterback and at line, and finally I think with Ellinger, a proven quarterback there, run and pass, and then finally a, a strong offensive line. So I think both of their normal issues are kind of corrected, and they can they can lean heavy on that while the defense might get their stuff together. So. Uh, there's enough raw talent to have them third for me. 
You have Iowa State at four, and then I'll just kind of run through this because I have a question after that. Five is TCU, six, Baylor, seven, Texas Tech, eight, Kansas State, nine, West Virginia, and ten, Kansas. Um, of those, of the, the, you know, not bottom six, but of the six after those top, uh, of those top four, who, who's maybe one that you could potentially see making a run uh, to, to push the top four, I guess? Well, yeah, I'm not just saying it because I'm on an, Ohio, in a, in a Iowa State podcast, but I think Iowa State, I was very close with them in Texas. Um, in fact, if you see my top 25 there, I have Texas number 19, Iowa State right behind and number 20. So this was almost a coin flip for the, for the number three spot to begin with. A lot of things to like. We've touched on a lot of it. Brock Purdy could be the best quarterback in the conference. Uh, you know, he's very effective in both the option game and scrambles. Excellent decision maker. Uh, you know, he throws off his back foot a little bit too much, but he's kind of mastered that art in a way. I mean, he gets the job done. Uh, yeah, I think that they've proven themselves to reload at some of the skill positions. Um, found a, a feature back for multiple years there in the backfield and a tight end group. But more so that defense, I think, keeps them in every game. I get back Jaquan Bailey. He was an all-Big 12 guy back in 18 um, before the injury. Strong defensive line, strong secondary, as always. So really a lot to like with Iowa State. And, and to bring it back to the top of the show, all of those close losses last year, you tend to see those uh, revert to the mean. And with a more veteran team, I can see those flipping the wins. So uh, if anyone's going to crash the party out of that bottom six, it'd be Iowa State. Um, quickly on TCU, there's a lot to like there, too. Gary Patterson, a great track record defensively with his 4-2-5 scheme. Um, I thought last year they would be the year they take a step forward. It looked like another development year. Major question offensively, they're trying to, you know, bring um, uh, to bring Doug Meacham back. Um, we'll see how that works. But, um, yeah, some questions there to keep them at fifth. I think Iowa State could could, uh, could sneak up just like a few years back and, and contend. Cool. Um, all right, last last two things I got for you. You've, you've got your college football playoff here with uh, – you've got – Clemson at one, Ohio State at number two, which I don't think would become any surprise to or be any surprise to anybody knowing the talent that they've got coming back. But then you've got Florida at three and Oregon at four. Uh, and I, I think that maybe both of those would be a little bit of surprise to uh, to some people. What were the what were the kind of the things that um, set the Gators and the Ducks apart to, to have them be there in your preseason prediction? Yeah, for sure. Definitely outliers. Um, I know I caught a lot of attention on Twitter, but uh, I, don't, I don't like to tout this, but last year I did have some outlier picks that hit. I was the only uh, the only preseason publication in America to not have Alabama in the Final Four. That hit. And uh, most people had Michigan winning the Big Ten. I had Ohio State. So before I talk about this crazy Oregon pick, I just want to get the, you know some kind of credibility behind the name there. But, yeah, so with Oregon, um, yeah. So when I start my process in January and February, starting to run the numbers, starting to look at some game tape, they were really popping off the page statistically. Uh, and their defense, but right away when you see that they play Ohio State in September, um, it's it's a natural instinct to just throw them out and say, hey, they lose uh, lose Ohio State there, they're done. But I started to think about it, even if they do lose Ohio State and it's closer within a score or two, if they're strong enough to run the Pac-12 and go 12-1, and one, and that's a playoff team. And, um, you know, looking at, the, looking at the defense, it was a top five unit last year, 10 starters back, the only vacancy is a linebacker, but not just one, but two five-star kids are coming in and take that one spot. So, um, you know, I'm sold on the defense right away. And then with the offense, you always picture Oregon as that Chip Kelly, you know, speedy, flashy, gadget offense that can't match up in the trenches. 
uh, and folds in big games. But this isn't the same Oregon. This is Mario Cristobal came in. He built this from the inside out. It's it's strong in the trenches. Um, and even though they lose four offensive linemen, the four coming up behind them are higher rated prospects from their recruiting classes. So the raw talent's there. Cristobal develops line uh, linemen better than almost anyone. And oh, by the way, that one returning lineman is Penny Sewell, who was the Outland winner, the best lineman in the country. So uh, confident with Oregon. And it's almost just more of a, um, you know, referendum on the Pac-12 as a conference. I think there's a massive drop from Oregon to the rest of the league this year that they'll be able to power through it. Meanwhile, with Oklahoma or whoever wins the, the Big 12, I think might come out of there with a loss or two or three, right? Because it's a, a very top-heavy, maybe five, six teams that could be top 25 caliber. It's a heck of a gauntlet. So, yeah, so long, long story short, I think that Oregon has a better road than, say, in Oklahoma or in Oklahoma State or a Big 12 winner that's got to go through a grind and maybe get scraped up with two losses there in conference play. I think anybody who doesn't realize uh, that this ain't the same Oregon needs to go back and watch the Rose Bowl because that game boots made it blatantly clear those boys like to hit. Uh, they, oh, yeah. they, they like to mix it up. Um, all right, my last thing for you, man, you're a Heisman voter. I think was last year your first year as a Heisman voter? Yeah, after the 2019 book, I was selected to become a Heisman voter. Uh, I'm based out of Pennsylvania, not that that matters, but you know, it's, it's based off each state, and I got I got a TA vote, so yeah, it was my first year. All right, so that's that rolls me into my question: What's it take for Brock Purdy to to get your vote and end up in uh, end up in New York City? Well, what kind of season? Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, hey, to be honest, it's two different questions. Uh, you know, I keep an open mind. I'm not going to be one of those voters that just only picks the playoff quarterback. Uh, I want to look at all positions. I mean, I do deep dives on all these teams. I'm, you know, I'm watching. I'm up there watching game day in the morning and then I'm up till three in the morning watching the Pac-12 network. So I see it all, but so I'll keep an open mind for me with Brock Purdy. If you can get them near the conference title discussion and puts up crazy numbers uh, and has some wow moments, uh, he's definitely in the conversation for the national voter though. Um, you know, I'm not going to vouch for them. I think for a lot of them it comes down to just uh, what quarterbacks are in the playoff race, sadly. So uh, in that case, people, you, you see this on the Vegas odds already. You see Spencer Rattler's a favorite. Like, dude, we never even seen him snap the ball except for against South Dakota for a series. Um, uh, he could live up to it, but I don't know why he's a favorite at this point. So uh, a little bit of a mini rant there, but no, I keep an open mind. I'm excited for this season. Um, and I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give everyone a fair shake. I think he's uh, right up there. One of the best big 12 quarterbacks right now is Sam Ellinger. So um, we'll see how he, he fares in 2020. Yeah, I think anybody who goes and puts money on a quarterback that they've never seen play before probably is uh, uh, has some problems with how they want to manage their money. But that's just my uh, personal opinion. Uh, it's Brett, probably the same crew that uh, probably the same crew that put money on Adrian Martinez last year from Nebraska. That was oh uh, yeah, he was one of those favorites, one of those August Heisman winners. Yeah, no kidding, uh, Brett. Man, we really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Everybody, go and um, buy his book. You can get that at uh, you can find it at picksixpreviews.com. Follow him on Twitter, picksixpreviews. Uh, definitely a, a great follow and one that um, if you check out his book, you're going to go into 2020 college football uh, a lot smarter than you would if you don't. So thanks, man, for coming on. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Jared. Anytime. Thanks again to Brett for joining us on the podcast this week. Uh, if you want to go to pick6previews.com, you can buy the book. And if you use promo code Cyclones, you can get a discount uh, on your purchase of Pick 6 Previews. It's 2020 uh, season preview, college football season preview magazine, uh, as well as I highly suggest you go and follow them on Twitter. Brett uh, does a lot of really good stuff on there at Pick 6 Previews on Twitter. 
Uh, I want to tell everybody to have a safe and happy 4th of July. Um, if you're listening to this right now, uh, I'm preparing to go camping with my best friend and his fiance and some of his friends, uh, out in the, out in the woods and, um, and enjoy my, my 4th of July. So you guys probably won't really hear from me too much this weekend. Probably going to try and lay low and enjoy the great outdoors. Um, I think that the rest of our staff will as well, but you should also go and check out, uh, Jay Jordan's new piece that he has on the Iowa state offensive line that should be live. If it's not live right now, when you're listening to this podcast, it will be very soon on cyclonefanatic.com. And then coming on Friday, we have another oral history from Rob Gray, this time of the 2016 Iowa State football win over the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And I think that it will be another must read, as most pieces are from uh, from my guys, Jay Jordan and Rob Gray. So like I said, everybody have a great and happy 4th of July. Um, everybody stay safe and um, we will uh, we'll talk to you guys again early next week with a, with a new episode of Stands and Fits. Thanks for listening. Peace.